You can skip the intro to this podcast by going to the two minute and seven second mark. This is a comedy show about black mental health and race. None of the views expressed here should be considered advice. This is a content and trigger warning. Some audience members may find the show's content to be harmful and disturbing. Not as annoying as this fucking music. This comedy discusses issues that are adult in nature. You must be 18 or over to listen. The views expressed are independent of any podcast platforms or sponsors. Now that we've eliminated, exploited, or offended everyone in the known fucking universe, please enjoy the show. If you have an actual emergency, please dial 911. Peace. Welcome to Zoom. Enter your meeting ID followed by pound. You are in the meeting now. You are the first participant. Please stand by. Cool. You have public access to listen to this Zoom meeting live. Friday nights after midnight, around 3 a.m., actually Saturday morning, which is 3 a.m., by dialing in at 646-876-9923. That's 646-876-9923. Our meeting ID is 819-6724-8120. That's 819 819- 6724-8120, meeting ID. The passcode is 307404. That's 307404. Thank you, and we'll see you inside our Zoom meeting on Black Mental Health and Race. Assalamualaikum. Peace to God. Peace to the universe. Sorry for the delay. How are you doing tonight, brother? I won't complain, black man. I won't complain. <laughs> Ain't nobody listening anyway. <laughs> What's going on? Bro, I was sitting here um, not long ago having a conversation with my... Um, 18-year-old son who's now driving, and he had mm-hmm. his first um, fender bender, I guess that's what you want to call it, tonight. Sure. Perfect term for it. Yeah, so he called me um, mm-hmm. earlier when it happened and said that um, I, I scraped the car um, and um, you know, I don't know if it's bad or good, but he's like, you know, um, I just wanted to know that I had a little little accident mm-hmm. um, because, you know, he, he got his driver's license in January. So he's just been this, um, I haven't been able to get him from behind the wheel since since he got his driver's license. Right? <laughs> he, he, he drives sure. to school. He drives to school every day. He drives to the gym. Um, 
And this was actually his first um, night out on his own. Um, I guess like his real night on his own because he wanted to go see the, the new Batman movie. And so this was a yeah. big deal for him. And so right. he wanted he wanted to drive, go to the movie date on his own because that was something that we normally did. Um, you know, as a family, we'll go to dinner and then we go to movies. Um, but uh, tonight was his first opportunity to kind of like be responsible, be out on his own, you know, mm-hmm. take himself out, you know, that type of thing. And so when he had this fender bender, he called, he called me as I was walking to, I was walking to this event for one of my fraternity brothers who was celebrating his 50th birthday. Mm-hmm. And um, he called me to say, hey, dad, look, you know, this, this happened. And I was like, okay, I'll take a look at it when you get home. Um, so uh, when he got home, he, he was, um, you know, he's kind of um, beating himself up, you know, about it. He was like, um, well, he disappointed in me, you know, um, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. And he's going on and on and on about it. And I said, Khalid, you know, it, it's fine. I said, um, it's not like it, it can't be fixed. You know, it, it, it can be fixed. I said, um, mm-hmm. um, the problem I'm having with with it is that you are expecting yourself to be this great driver and you've only been driving mm-hmm. for less than six months. I said, and so the problem I'm having is that I feel like you are taking the position that you know it all about driving, right? Mm-hmm. And that you can't make any mistakes. That in and of mm-hmm. itself is a problem. I said, because if you know everything, you're not leaving any room to learn anything new. Mm-hmm. And so I said to him, I said, you know, what I want you to do is understand that life is a humbling process. And when you walk out into the world, acting like you know it all, acting like you can do it all, then life will humble you because you can't be humble. So I'm telling you, what I want you to do is just be humble about what happened. Understand that you're not as great a driver as you think you are and be humble about that so that you can learn from the mistake that you made. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you're going you're to make the same mistake because you if, if you're not willing to say, you know what? I'm not as good at parking as I thought I was. If you can't be humble enough to do that, then you're going to go and and make the same mistake. What I'm saying to you is, son, understand, okay, you're a new driver, you're a novice at this, and this is what you need to do. That will allow you to be better. I said, you know, you can drive up to the Redskins Stadium, you know, and just practice parking, you know, just Mm -hmm. within the lines. And look at the lines as if the lines are cars, right? I said, but until that time, you know, park away from cars as opposed to parking close to cars, hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so that was that was my my conversation with him for about the last two hours, um, just talking to him about you know driving and just just life. Like, son, you're 18, mm-hmm. you know, you just started driving. Um, well, I'm glad it wasn't my car that you, you scraped, uh, because I would have probably felt another way, but since that was your mom's car, <laughs> <Yes, sir. laughs> you, you, 
<laughs> you you and her can deal with that, but uh, you know, I can help you. I can help you get that fixed. It's not that bad. Uh, but <laughs> yes, sir. He was like, "Yeah, Dad. Uh, I, I I don't even think I'd have drove your car um that far." But uh, yeah, because I, I would have probably felt a little different because uh, you know, my my car's a, a lot more expensive, bro, and um, hmm. you know, you know, so I, 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 hopefully he can learn from the um, situation, and um, it's um very fortunate that um he wasn't hurt in the process. Mm-hmm. This is his ego bruised a little bit, but these these are as you said it uh, life lessons that we have to learn. Um, Sometimes we can be a little overly confident, and um, it sets up room for error. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that's um, you know I I, I often. Uh, talk to him and his sister about their generation um, mm-hmm. being know-it-alls. But I think that is not their generation. I think that that is a young generation thing. I think when I was right. young like that, I probably felt that way also. Um, yes, sir. I, I just didn't really have parents that um, held me to any level of accountability. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was probably arrogant um by default um I, right. I don't know if, i don't know if i would have been humble enough to listen at that age um but i do understand i do realize now as a parent um how challenging it is uh trying to get the younger generation to understand um and to be humble um about what mm. they don't know about Yes, sir. Indeed. Uh, there was a lot going on this week, brother. Um, first, let me say to the audience, uh, you're listening to Black Mental Health and Race. I am MF Doug AF, and my co-host is Dr. Moore. Uh, welcome back to the program, brother. And um, there was... Um, the Savings Day that we spoke of uh, a little bit uh, last week uh, that occurred uh, February 27th, I think it was. That was a Sunday. Um, did you get a chance to listen to uh, Minister Farrakhan's uh, Savings Day one song speech? I have not. I um, mm-hmm. I've, I've seen parts of it. But I have not mm-hmm. uh, got a chance to listen to it in its entirety. Yes, sir. It's um, it's long. <laughs> he spoke for over four hours. Um, mm. I was fortunate enough to um, be on the lookout for it, um, especially once it said "swan song." It's um, a um, a term "swan song" is is um like to say that um this might be your last performance or something like that. Um so in that respect it was interesting. And um 
I think he was giving instructions to the believers um, about when he's gone. I found it, um, I don't know, a little unsettling that um, he mentioned the, the wheel again and that uh, he would be coming back. Um, of course, if you're inside the nation, you know that he's speaking metaphorically, but he was insistent that his is physical. I don't know if that's um, being on the throne too long or um, being overly confident about something. And um, I wanted you to look up... Um, victim narcissism just to, to get a definition of, uh, to be familiar with what it is um, I also wanted to talk tonight about um, the thing that most uh, people say to us about um race being a social construct and um, the definition of, of, of a social construct um, in terms of uh, what we go through is actual real experience being black Americans. And lastly, um, out of any of the topics that I was interested in, it surely wouldn't be limited to any of these topics. But uh, the final topic was um, Russia and Ukraine, not in terms of uh, their conflict per se, but um, the group aspect of, um, uh, let's see, like throwing vodka in the streets. Um, in America, to... Um, show our solidarity with the, with the Ukrainians. Um, uh, that type of group behavior um, and um, any implications from that. Uh, so if you'd like to discuss other things that you're more familiar with, I'd certainly love to hear it. Hmm. Uh, no, bro. Let's start with where you want to, where you, um, want to start. Um, you talked about narcissism and I'm not sure mm -hmm. where, um, or the victims of narcissism, um, tell me where, um, you're coming from with that question. Um, is there a result? Because I know that we were talking about the minister, or you mm -hmm. were talking about the minister a little earlier. Um, so um, is there a correlation to that question to the minister? Or is that just an yeah, independent it, it question? It, it could actually apply to all three situations. Like um, the, the Ukrainians, um, have a, a like a a worldwide um, acceptance that they are the victims according to the media 
in um, a lot of um, media outlets that we have access and privy to. We wouldn't have access and privy to media outlets from Russia, particularly because Putin has banned anyone within the country to talk about the conflict between Ukraine and Russia. Um, the same could be applied to uh, Minister Farrakhan. Um, his speech was about um, who's to blame for um, things going the way that they're going, not just in terms of um, the nation's progress, the nation of Islam, um, but just progress of black people in general. Um, and that would lead up to the third scenario. Are we uh, uh, claiming victims as black people in America who have endured um, such a racial tension that put us at a disadvantage? Are we playing victim? So in any scenario, if you had any general discussion about it, it's it's based on um, psychology as a group, not necessarily to solve a problem, but to understand the behavior, the group behaviors, and why people in groups do what they do. Um. I'm mean, going to just add a whole different perspective with the last mm -hmm. part of what you said um, in terms of groups. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, or maybe you could talk about the the um, the terminology that race is a social construct, as I think that. Um, some of the victimization that we go through as black people is conveniently um, diminished or lessened because uh, educated people, including uh, black people, may tell you that, uh, well, you know, uh, race is nothing but a social construct. Um, so even though we have disadvantages, we can't play victim. All right, so, so all right, let me go here. Um, mm -hmm. When you talk about narcissism um, and the victims of narcissism, I think that African-American people are the epitome of the victims of narciss narcissism, mm -hmm. right? Um, I think that America, um, and the founding fathers of this country um, were the epitome of narcissistic personality people. Mm. So um, that that would be white people. That would be those white people of that time engaged in um, slavery and stuff like that. Well, in in order to enslave a people. You have to have a narcissistic type of personality to be able to do that. And, hmm. and because narcissism or narcissistic type of personality is a person that can't 
that doesn't have empathy, right? And mm-hmm. so a narcissistic person is not able to put themselves or see themselves in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. They don't have empathy at all. So mm-hmm. I'm saying in order for you to be a slave master or to want to be a slave master, you have to completely disassociate yourself with the people that you're going to enslave. You, you, you're going to have to completely not see yourself like you're going to have to completely not see yourself like you see them. You're going to have mm. to completely see them as something completely different. Because if, if you were to attach any humanistic value to a person, then that would make them similar to or make you have to have some type of value attached to them. So you would have to detach that type of value, detach that type of um, humanistic um, person, uh, humanistic value. You have to detach mm-hmm. that from them you, because you have to completely not see them like you see yourself. You have to completely right. not see their children like you see yourself. Right. Right. And you and and so that's that would allow you to then enslave a person or imprison a person because you don't see them and you don't see their human value as you see your own. Hmm. Indeed. And um in the in the case of uh Putin, um, it, it can actually go both ways. Um, a lot of people are, are saying that um, the moves that Hitler's making, uh, and I even, uh, he just messed up. Uh, the moves that Putin is making are like Hitleristic type moves, and uh, this is such an atrocity that he's heaping on the Ukrainian people, he's being a, a bully. Uh, or you can look at it from the perspective of Russia that um, he's, he, the, the Russian people are correct in uh, wanting to take back their country or things that they had control over rather than let it, Ukraine fall into the manipulation of um, the United States and uh, being a part of NATO. Yeah, so that's that's problematic in and of itself. And I'm not going to sit here and try to be, um, sound like I'm a scholar uh, about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I um, think from a little bit of what I do know mm-hmm. um, is that the Ukraine is not a part of NATO. Um, and I am not I, I don't think that NATO is like a um, uh, a, a good for all nations. I think it's a good for all people involved, mm-hmm. right? And so um, in the sense that the Ukraine is not, then that means that the Ukraine doesn't get the same type of love that the people that are part of it is right so right. like like for example 
I'm a member of Omega Sub-Opportunity Incorporated. I'm a member of Prince mm-hmm. Hall Masons, right? So does that mean that um, because I'm a member of Omega Sub-5, the Q-Dogs, that if you're not, then I don't give you the same type of love or the same type of recognition, right? Right. I don't, I, see, you know, I'm a person that, you know, I I believe in humanitarian, right? I Mm -hmm. I believe that, I I don't care if you're a Q or Mason, you know, if you're a friend, you're a friend. In in my head, Mm -hmm. that's how I see it. Now, I can't say that all Qs or all Masons feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. And, And so with that being said, it makes me feel like Putin feels like, you know what? I don't want them to join the Qs. I don't want them to join the Alphas. I don't want them to join the, the Kappas. You know, um, I want them to be beholden to me. Right. That is a narcissistic personality to me. Mm-hmm. Right? And so then that that's problematic. Right? Mm-hmm. And he's only, in my opinion, thinking about himself. Mm-hmm. And I think that in and of itself is, self, is self-destructive. It is problematic. Mm-hmm. And there's yes, nothing sir. positive that comes out of narcissism. Yes, sir. Indeed. It's it's um, a, a tough subject. Um, and anybody could wear that hat um, in terms of power. Um, I think when you talk about psychology it's um the best parts of psychology is to help the individual um the work that needs to be done in terms of a therapeutic for psychology is on an individual basis but um there is something called a social psychology if we are to heal a nation we have to think of it in terms of uh, this group psychology rather than helping to bring therapy to one person. You actually have to apply it in terms of a, a group mentality. Yeah, I, I, I would not disagree with that. Um, the group just has to be participatory. Right. <laughs> exactly. I know that it's not a, a subject that um you, you readily um learned about. You may even had a couple of classes in it, but um not something that you studied intrinsically. Um but it was interesting the perspective that I got on it, um, especially when we talk about race and uh, racism, it, it seems to be that that push that um, we shouldn't talk about, that we should be more colorblind uh, in order for us to think better as a group. We have to ignore the fact that there has been over 400 years of disadvantage, and uh, let's try to work together now. I'll give you an example. Um, the uh, current president of the United States, Joe Biden, 
has picked his um, nominee for the Supreme Court, and he did it on the basis of race, irregardless to uh, whether those across the aisle in the uh, Republican Party uh, were crying that, um, hey, you just can't pick somebody because they're black. You have to pick them because they're qualified. And that was another instance where people who didn't want this nominee, this black woman, to be um, even considered for the job, saying that, well, there are other people more qualified for, for uh, than her. Um, so our argument isn't about race, it's about qualification. But that makes that break that makes no sense, and the reason that makes no sense to me hmm. is that um, historically, the Supreme Court um, was made up of nothing but white men, and <laughs> then um, white women, and and then it was okay, right? Right. right. But so now, now so, that you so, try to. Right. So now that you yeah. want to add some color to it, now hmm. you you can't just choose because of color. I mean, all you had to do was be a white man. That made you qualify for <laughs> the beginning of, of of the Supreme Court justice. All you had to be, do <laughs> right. the qualifications was to be a white old man. And that made hmm. you qualify. Right? Hmm. And, and And so it wasn't until you know, we had a strong, uh, not a strong thumber, a Thurgood Marshall, you know, who was the first black man, you know, of color to, to, to be on the Supreme Court that we start looking at qualifications, right? Or mm. until, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, uh, or adding a woman, you know, now right. let's look at the qualifications. There was no qualifications prior to that. All if you, <laughs> nobody was questioning these old white men. No, no question of authority before that. <laughs> right, so that, that makes no sense to me. So I, I, I can't entertain that in, intellectually. Um, right. Now that people are saying, well, what are the qualifications? What were the quali- qualifications prior to? Hmm. You know, uh, look, I, to me now, when I look at people like Warren Buffett, um, all these old white heads who have money, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to make the argument these people didn't work hard, right, to, to get where they are. But it, yes, it was so much easier in the early 1900s just to be mm. a white man, right? Mm. Just to be a white man provided mm. you resources and circumstances and situations that were afforded to you that weren't afforded to anybody else. That is correct. All, all you all you had to do to go to college, all you had to do to be able to buy a house, buy a home, to get a job was be a white man. Hmm. Right? There were situations where if you were a white woman, you couldn't, you didn't have the same opportunities that a white male had. And That's just by right. default that he was a white male, he could get jobs, he can get 
housing, he can get loans, he can get cars, he can get all these things just by default because he was just a white male. So mm-hmm. it, it was easier for people of the white generation to have generational wealth just by default that they were white people. Right. right? Everybody else, even white women, right? White women, black men, black women, you know, everybody else had to go through this whole, uh, are you eligible enough? Are you worthy enough? You know, mm-hmm. they had to go through all, all of these different criterias that by default, if you were a white man in America, that's all you needed to be. That will right. allow, that would have, have allowed you to be successful. Yes, so, so, Which so I'm um, bringing, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so it, I'm it just saying that, 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 that it put certain people in a position to now, to, to, to be in a favorable position just because they were white people able to take advantages of times when it was advantageous to just be a white male. Wow, it didn't mean that other people weren't qualified. It just meant that they weren't a white male. Hmm. They weren't suited for the position. And, and so it brings me right back to this introduction of um, narcissistic uh, victim, victim narcissism. What that, that um, premise is based on is saying that if we use the analogy of um, white supremacy, what it's what uh, that victim narcissism is saying that now that we want to put a little more color on the Supreme Court, now the person with all of the power before in history is now claiming that he's a victim. Because now he's saying it's unfair to pick somebody because of their race. We have to look at the qualifications, which is is a total contradiction to the way in which the um, the historically were selecting who is qualified to be on the Supreme Court. Bro, that's called moving so, the So they say they say that they're the victims, even though they still have the power. Bro, that's that's called moving the goalposts. Right. <laughs> exactly. You're just moving the goalposts. So post, it gives a, a little more clarification of the definition or how it applies in any situation. But for the um, circumstances of this discussion or purposes of this discussion. That was one example of victim narcissism, where the people with the the actual power who have been manipulating the situation all along now claim that they are victim because the people that they were um, uh, abusing are saying that a black person has to be on the Supreme Court, a black woman in particular. Yeah, bro, but don't you can't entertain that, bro. Um, to 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 give of that. Of course not, seat, but but it becomes uh, that that group behavior because we have all of these nice white folks that are saying, "Hey, yeah, that's right. You're not supposed to pick a black woman 
There are more people qualified. So if there's yeah, a group but, behavior yeah, um, but you that can't, Elijah Muhammad yeah. talked about as um, that technology that they use on us to tell us that having a black woman on the Supreme Court is racism. Yeah, but bro, you can't entertain that. Right, it's, but it's our a, people a, do. Yeah, but what I'm telling you is they do, but what I'm saying is if you entertain it, then you're feeding into their narrative. You can't, enter, right. don't entertain that. Right. Because in, in, you, bro, you can't win when you feed into their narrative. It's the same argument mm. about critical race theory. Right? right. First of all, if you entertain the idea of critical race theory, you lose. Because right. there's no critical race theory. It doesn't exist. It, it it doesn't exist in in high school. It doesn't exist in middle school. It only that, that's advanced level teaching in like law school or mm-hmm. master's level. There's there's no mm-hmm. critical race theory being taught. So when you mm-hmm. if you entertain that argument on that level, you automatically lose because you've already validated that critical race theory exists. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And so you and mm-hmm. so. And having a conversation with someone, you have to kill the argument that critical race theory even exists because it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Right? So if, if I'm having a conversation with you and you're telling me about a delusion or a hallucination, if I entertain your, your um, delusion, right, then I'm validating that. Right. So I I automatically I'm automatically entertaining something that doesn't exist. And so what I'm saying to you is you you're going to lose that argument every time if you're gonna make the argument about critical race theory. And not you per se, but you know, anyone that's gonna have you, you know, and this whole group dynamic about you know groups of people that think x y and z you that that group of people you if that group of people think that way don't validate that group of people Mm. make 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 them non-existent but to entertain Mm. them gives them a sense of power so devalue Mm. them avoid them by not entertaining them and not entertaining their conversation because it doesn't exist. Mm. Well, what not that what has been done to Black people um, historically that um, our justifiable uh, beef with the way things uh, are going in our lives as a group uh, the um, incarceration rates, the lack of education rates, the um, lack of political power rates, all of these things are being ignored. It's, oh, no, no, no. The United States is past that history. I think that is what um, people that's ex- with... That's, um, exact- that's exactly what I'm trying to say. What you You mm-hmm. should learn we should learn from what white folks have done to us. They've devalued us, right? But not only have they devalued mm-hmm. us, 
they said that your cries, that your pain, that your suffering doesn't exist. Hmm. Which is right? how they come up with this um, terminology that uh, race is just a social construct. Well, well hold on, hold on. before we get to, no, they're not saying race is a social construct. We're saying that. What I'm saying is, what white folks are saying is, what you black folks are saying that's happening to you all in terms of racism doesn't exist. Not only does it right, it's all only, in your not, mind. Not, right. Not only does it, it it not exist, you are racist for saying that. Right. 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 So so what I'm saying is you we should learn from what they're doing. They they are doing things to you and then saying, We didn't do that to you. You know, that's an right. illusion. You know, that's an hallucination. Right. Or that's that happened delusion. in the past that you right. can't blame that on us. Right. That we did we we're not responsible. They're not taking any responsibility. Right. What I'm saying is you have to we, you have to now we should learn from them and say, right. wait a minute, what you what what you're saying doesn't exist. Right. You know, and I'm but, not going to entertain that. But when you talk about critical race theory, that's a whole nother conversation. What black come people are saying with critical race theory is that you're, you're ignoring our narrative. You're ignoring our experience. Absolutely. You're saying that this doesn't count now. Absolutely. It counted for 400 years of the inception of the United States. But now, <laughs> when it's time to uh, get some justice or, or some reparation... Yeah, we don't want to hear that. Right. In fact, right. in fact, we we don't want our kids to feel bad about what our ancestors. Right. It, it, and it, and that's it, why they they're rejecting white people are rejecting critical race theory. So right. I was wondering, you how, you and I had how, you and I had this conversation, and we talked about mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance. Do you remember that conversation? Right. Yes. Critical sir. race critical race theory is the epitome of cognitive dissonance. Right, and for the potential Where audience, they, they're going to distance themselves from any responsibility. Absolutely, you should look up critic. You should look up cognitive dissonance by Dr. Joy Degaro. Yes, sir. Because that so she would race be theory a, more is of an avid advocate of critical race theory than a person that rejects it. Because absolutely, white people are saying, "Let's reject." critical race theory because we are people of the Mayflower. We're not the people of, of critical race theory. You, you're trying right. to victimize our children with but, education in school. They're trying to keep it out of um, the high schools and the public schools. We don't want our, but, our, our children to feel victimized by right. racial history. But that is the definition of, of cognitive dissonance. You is, want I to cognitively totally agree dis- with you. Right. You you want to they want to cognitively distance themselves from the part of Any history responsibility. That, that, right. Of the, of the part of history that they don't want to accept. That's right. cognitive so dissonance. Anything that has to to do with uh, in the interest of uh, justice and fairness is what they want to reject and they can do it and sound um, intellectual in doing so by saying that, well, you know, race is just a social construct. And um, 
what uh, some of the advocates for, um, not just critical race theory, but addressing the wrongs historically that have happened is that we must look at this and tell the truth. If we don't tell the truth, we can't get the right social solution for the problem. I think some people could say that about the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Whether you know what side is which, this blind um, adhesion to or or, um, sympathy for just Ukraine does not say that you actually understand the problem. This blind um, rejection of black people being victims is not understanding the problem in its proper historical context. And it can go for a lot of things and a lot of groups and a lot of groups behavior. Um, But we need to understand how the group works to justify what they are doing. And we are at the 50 minute mark in black mental health and race. You're having a conversation with two black men and this is just our perspective. We um, like to bring these conversations um, and put them out into the universe and maybe see if you can think about them critically. Um, So that was our first segment, brother. Um, Do you want to come back for a second segment? I know we ran a little late today. It's already 4.15 a.m. Uh, yeah, I got a few more minutes left in me, bro. Yes, sir. Um, I'm going to let you take a break, and when we come back, we'll have more discussions of uh, all of these things that most people are uncomfortable talking about because it's talking about race. And maybe we can uh, see if we can include Minister Farrakhan in what makes people uncomfortable about the things he says. And you are listening to Black Mental Health and Race. I am your host, MF Doug AF, and my co-host is Dr. Moore. We'll be right back after these messages. Peace to the universe. Peace to God. Please stay tuned for part two of this discussion. <laughs> 